There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Late Launch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors Summer Sales Event. Get low as can be APR, zero deposit and finance arranged within four hours. There's never been a better time to get to Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. You're very welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Launch and we're coming to you live today from the Headford Arms in Kells and for a very special reason. Yes, the Hinterland Festival was launched here yesterday evening and it goes on all weekend and I can tell you, the excitement in Kells is palpable and here in the Headford Arms this afternoon we have a great show lined up for you. Lots of giveaways, so stay with us. You could be a lucky winner on Late Launch this afternoon and what a lineup of guests we have. Fred Cook is dropping in. Kells own you remember him from Dancing with the Stars He's popping in for a chat with us. Nick Hewer is here. Well, I am so looking forward to interviewing this man. I'm a great fan of Countdown and The Apprentice, and he's live with us this afternoon. We'll also be talking to the wonderful Mark Smith. You know the Type Trail in Kells? It's a wonderful initiative, part of the uh, art scene here as well, part and parcel of it. He'll be with us in a little while. We have our book club with Margaret Madden, and we have a book giveaway. But first up today, we could only start with one of Kells' very own, a local girl, and we met her on Late Lunch last year her debut book oh my word did this make headlines it was called too close to breathe in 2018 she was with me on late lunch last summer and she's back today on fourth of the publication of our second top 10 hit i have to say called the killer and me i'm delighted to welcome back to late lunch olivia kernan olivia great to see you yeah great to be back again thanks thank you for joining me again on the show well 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 like last year you and i talked and you know the first novel the debut it went wild for you this one is as good. It's better, is it? <laughs> well, we let the readers decide that. But yeah, I think the reviews so far are quite lucky. They seem to be quite good. Oh, terrific yeah. they are. And I've been looking at them as well. But here's the thing about this book. Tell me this, because you've said this al- already, and it's an unusual one. The title of this book, it grabs you, doesn't it? The Killer and Me. The title came first. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I, te- I tend to work like that a lot of the time, where the title kind of comes with a feeling of the premise. And for me, that this was just... I'd read this article where um, a, a scientist was investigating kind of nature v. nurture. And he said, um, he'd, he'd written in Psychology Today, I think it was, that humans were seven times more likely to kill one of their own than any other mammal. <laughs> and I just thought, well, well, could that be for anyone? Even if you, you know, us normal people see ourselves as quite good souls. And I thought, what would it take for someone who is 
kind of normal and regular to perhaps be pushed to to kill. Mm. So, yeah. So that's where it all started from. That yeah. was the premise you began with yes, and then all yeah. these pages filled up and you, and you've <laughs> you finished it off. It's out there at the minute and it really is going well and the reviews are fantastic. I do know that this is the second in a three book series for yeah, you. Yeah, well, I've got four book deal actually. Four. Now. So I've got another another, I've got another two book deal. Sorry, the first contract I had was a two book deal okay. and I've got another two book deal now. So I've just submitted the Terrific. third novel um, to my editor, so I'm I'm waiting for his verdict. <laughs> so, see well, if I get listen, thumbs up or thumbs it's down. It's been yeah. thumbs up all yeah. the way for you so far. What are you concerned about? <laughs> so another one to come as well. Have you started anything on that yet, or is that down the Not road? Not on the fourth because I've just yeah. come out of drafting okay. the, the first one. So um, and that that's taken me. I think I started that in November, so I've just completed the first draft. Okay. But any writer will tell you then you you kind of have a few months of working on um, kind of more structurally with your editor if there's any kind of plot issues that they have kind of stumbled across Um, and then you'll go into the copy edit phase and then the proofreading and and during that I think I'll have to toggle back and forth between starting the new one so I I reckon I'll probably just start the new one maybe August okay but there's work to be done on number three yet before that actually becomes a reality any artist or writer will tell you that they would happily just continue working on the same (laughs) novel for years you never feel you do need that publisher there going no actually it's finished now you need to just give it to me (laughs) hand it over yeah So. so lots of busy times ahead for you you're back home here today on your home patch in Kells you're from just out the road here yeah. tell us a little bit again about you about growing up here in your background yeah so I grew up in Kilmainham which is just about two miles um, towards Dublin outside the town and I from a family of six so it's five girls and one boy so um, and my dad was a plumber and my mum like a bookkeeper and um, yeah I went to Eureka school <laughs> up the road and in fact one of the English teachers there now, um, Mr. Um, Mr. Broderick, I really kind of hold on to his memory quite a lot. I don't think he's, I think he might have passed away a few years ago. I live in England now, so it's hard to keep track. But I, I heard that and it really did um, make me feel quite sad because he really encouraged me. I really liked writing, but he really encouraged me with my essay kind of writing and probably a bit too much because he used to give us these um, essay choices at the end of every Friday, you know, and give us three three choices. And we were supposed to pick one. And I was always the student that would hand him over three, which at the time I thought, oh, sure, he'd be delighted, you know. But obviously now as an adult, I'm thinking, I'm sure he was rolling his eyes. The poor but man. I, he's going, <laughs> you know, give me one, that's it, yeah. So, yeah, I really have a soft spot for Eureka School for that for kind of set it, setting me on a path or making me believe myself because I think it's you know when you the writing and the arts it's hard when you come from certain backgrounds to believe that their careers for you you feel they're off their table off the table to you and so to have that encouragement I think is a is um, a really big boost and to have it um, early on. Yeah. I've heard it and I'm sure yeah. so many people, you're not going yeah. down that airy fairy road are you? Oh, I'm sure you've heard imagine, that many you times. Know, if I said to Mammy when I was 10 oh, What are you doing? I'm going to be a writer get out there and get a job. How many Irish mammies and daddies were like that yeah. over the years? Will you get yourself sorted and copy yeah. yourself on? But hold on. Get your head out of the clouds. <laughs> Who do you think you are? You booked yeah. the trend. You yeah. really have. But I said this to you before uh, anatomy and physiology <laughs> 
chiropractic yeah. and now creative writing. Yeah. It's been a journey, hasn't it? <laughs> it has, yeah. And it was weird like because I, I went down the science route because I love science and I do love anatomy. But actually, once I started studying it, I realised why I chose that kind of, why I chose chiropractic. It's a very hands-on um, job. It's a manual therapy and it's it, there is kind of a sense of that, you know, using your hands and it being, I think it taps into that creative side of your brain. And anatomy, actually, weirdly, I was quite good at it because it's, a, it's actually a visual science. You need to really be able to, when you're describing anatomical features, you need, need to be able to describe them in relation to one another. Yeah. And so people who were very kind of technical or science-minded, a lot of them struggled with stuff like anatomy. But I found that quite easy because Mm. that's how my brain worked so it it, yeah it sounds like it's a big u-turn but i think there is a a kind of sense of creativity in Mm. in those type of sciences anyway the the longer Mm. i live the more i live i can tell you that education whatever education or ever field you follow you will always have it with you and can bring back into any aspect of your life and you're living proof of that yourself well definitely with the autopsy (laughs) see perhaps when i was just thinking that like um, physiology and these books and the autopsies and all the and it was such a joy look when I started writing in crime fiction I didn't as you say I didn't immediately marry up that it would really help me with my writing but the minute obviously a dead body turns up your detective brings in the pathologist and suddenly you know I was away I was like oh great this is great but I don't have to research this I've already done the, the background yes. you know um, so yeah I think it was, it's it's strange how you use everything in life really at mm. some point yeah no you're back home and obviously delighted to be in part of this hinterland uh, festival Such which is honor, just yeah. growing and growing year on year and I say like just look round you here how yeah. busy this place is with people in and out the town's on fire buzzing, yeah. this must be special to you to come I, back home and feel this well definitely because it's a literary festival yeah. so obviously to my hometown and you know I live in England and this is this is a, a big well known like people are so when I got offered to come here to talk I was nearly biting someone's arm off because their authors you know way further afield who would jump with a chance to have that position so it's got a great reputation and but it feels special to me because the very first literary festival that was here in Kells, I went, but I went as an aspiring author. I was in the audience, not a hint that I was going to be published at any point. So to come back this year, and that was in 2013, so to come back now, six years later, see the festival bigger than it ever was and such a buzz in the town, but actually to be speaking at it as an author is, is it feels really special. So, yeah, I'm just delighted. For, for people Kells, out right? there, it's like a young fellow who wants to play for Manchester United and goes to see them and a few years later yeah. he's on the pitch wearing the jersey. Yeah, is that yeah. all right? Oh yeah, just it's a, exactly the same. Yeah. That is you today and, and how yeah. you're, you're feeling about yeah. this. Yeah, no, I feel absolutely, br- it's just such an honour to come back. So yeah. I think it's important to mention as well like the heritage that Kells possesses and the history and uh, this is all bringing it all to life, isn't it? Yes. All of this. Yeah, oh it's exactly and the town is so well placed for festivals like this. You know, the hub of the hotel here um, there are so many nice little bistros and cafes around for people to kind of go in there is you know handy parking and so i think it's and it's re- it's on accessible roads so it's it's absolutely perfect and obviously when i flew back home yesterday 
to have the skies like bright blue and the sun out. I just thought you just couldn't ask for better. And actually, every time I've kind of come to the festivals, it seems the weather always seems to be really good. She brings the sunshine. I mean, no, not her. not me. I just think the hinterland <laughs> festival obviously brings it. You and know, you're I usually it. bring the clouds and the rain. Oh, so. Don't be saying that. Don't be <laughs> yeah. saying that. So writing is your complete focus now. Yeah, so um, obviously I'm a, a mother of one, so yes. um, my daughter too. But yeah, that's my job now at the moment. So um, and hopefully it will be for some time yet. But publishing is is always kind of well, I guess any job really is never 100 percent secure. But you know, you really have to keep publishing or perish in this mm. kind of creative industry. So where are yeah. you in, based in England? Where are you living? I'm in Oxford. Oh, yeah. beautiful yeah, part really of the world. We mentioned that, of course, before. Yeah. You do live in another very historic place as yes. well. Yeah. Come on, from an Irish woman's point of view, you're on the inside over there. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? Has the world... Is Britain falling apart? England, Scotland, Wales? Yeah, I just... I don't know. I think it's all a bit... Yeah, I think maybe led a little bit too much by media and social media. I think people are just looking the wrong places rather than taking their own view, looking at what's actually in front of them and taking their own view. So um, to be honest, it's like you get numb to it. It's probably like when the recession here was running in the newspapers all the time. It's not that you don't care, but you just, in some ways, you have to start protecting yourself because it begins to bring you down if you're constantly immersing yourself. So I try for myself to keep pulling myself back and, and focus on if I'm feeling like the world is falling apart, perhaps look at more home charity and stuff that you can do that feels more in your control so that that if I had any advice that would be what I because I just think it just eats away at you otherwise yeah. and you yeah. are in some ways apart from your vote powerless <laughs> you know yeah. But, but when that, you know, if we're talking about the B word, when that vote, when that result came in, I mean, I was devastated. I've, li- mm. I've lived in the UK since I was 19 and um, and I've never felt anything other than welcome being there. And it did feel a little bit like that might have... The mood has changed. Yeah. No, no, I don't think now it has. But when mm. the vote first came in yeah. and it might have been just my own because I was like, oh, my God, have I been reading things wrong, you know, for so long? But um, it is important to, that the, to remember that that vote was extremely tight. Yeah. So... Would you like um, to see another vote? Um, I'd love to, but I don't think I don't think it's possible really mm. with how things are structured. Yes. So I think the best they can do is get the best kind of deal mm. and go forward with that and move on and and try to yeah move on. You know, but it's you know I live in Oxford, it's a huge university town. They're dependent. We're dependent on overseas travel and ease of movement. So um, it was. Yeah, like I remember when it first came out, I was talking to a student who's a South African student, and he again was devastated. And he said it was the first time Oxford University actually sent out a letter to their students, and they never get involved with kind of political stuff like that, to ensure them that they were welcome in their university. And he said this is like near historic that they don't send they don't send out this yeah. kind of stuff after kind of political mm. votes or anything. But obviously, they—that's their bread and butter—is bringing in. So, yeah, it's another aspect and angle to it that you don't hear. Anyway, thank you for joining us again on Late Lunch. Welcome home to Kells. When are you you. on? When are you on? I'm on on now shortly. You're on shortly. I'd have to, I think. Yeah, doing a reading and good luck to you. And I know it's very special to you as well. And congratulations on the book. Just to remind you, it's out. It's available and it's terrific. The Killer in Me by Olivia Kiernan. 
thanks for joining thanks us. Thanks so much, Wish Sherry. you well. Thanks indeed, thanks. Olivia. Now we have our first giveaway of the day on uh, late lunch, and it comes from Kells Credit Union. And to celebrate the hinterland, Kells Credit Union, uh, they want to let you know that they have a book on sale. It's just five euro, and it's called Memories of St. Column Kells Credit Union. There's lovely pictures and history and articles about the beginning of the credit union and its history. And to celebrate the launch of their summer loan sale, which begins on the 1st of July, uh, they have reduced their interest rates. So just to let you know that, 1st July, if you're looking for a few, Bob, give them a shout there. The summer loan sale is on, St. Column Kills Credit Union. And they've given us today on late lunch, the special late lunch, a €100, Euro, one for all voucher. Isn't that lovely? Would you like to win this voucher? All you have to do is answer the following question. What's the largest loan amount that a member can apply for at Kells Credit Union? The largest loan amount. Is it A, €25,000, B, €50,000, or C, €100,000? Which of those is it? 25, 50, or 100? Answers as soon as you can with your name and details. 100, one for all voucher from the credit union in Kells. Could be yours. Get your answers in now to 086 658 by one. WhatsApp or text back after this short break. Yes, late lunch live from the hinterland in Kells and we're in the wonderful Hedford Arms this afternoon. I just see Olivia Duff, she's popped in there. We've said hello to her as well and we thank her for hosting us here once again this afternoon. Mark Smith, how the hell are you? Rush, I'm coping. <laughs> I think you're the coolest dude I ever met, to oh, be honest. I don't know. I, don't know. It's, I think it's a combination of tiredness and uh, just keep going. Huh? Well, you had a big evening last evening because you launched the Type Trail. Is this true? Is it the 10th year? 10th year, a decade of the Type Trail. And every year we come and we speak to LMFM and inform the, the public of what the Type Trail is and how many pieces from artists from all over the country are on display. Um, this year being the 10th year, we went back to where the origins of my love of topography, the art form of lettering, comes from. And it comes from the rock albums and the rock melambilia of the late 70s and 80s. My older brother would have been into heavy rock, so it would have been a time where they would have had the badges and the crests and the jackets and the de- leather jackets, denim jackets and all that. Didn't so much like the music, but I liked the visuals. Yes. So I would copy the likes of ACDC, Tin Lizzy, Motorhead, all these rock albums. Um, you don't see much so much of this, these, these logos these days. So we decided we'd go back to visit that era. And we decided this year's word would be the word type. And that question would be raised, like, what type of person, what type of music, what type of uh, uh, things affect people in their mental health and stuff like that. So we, and we, we gave that team out to the colleges in Dundalk and the colleges in that loan. They're now taken on as part of the curriculum for the year that they have to do a peaceful type trip. And we went out and we reached out to schools in North Wales. We reached out to artists of all over the country. And then they create their interpretation of that word. And we display that on the streets of Kells. So we turn Kells into our canvas of type. You're talking about rock. You had a rock star launch it for you last night. Yes, we had to go for the Kells' most famous rock star to launch it. So we went and we contacted Eamon Carr, who was the drummer with horse lips. And they were the biggest thing going. Um, so Eamon gladly came down and he spoke very, very well at the launch last night. And he spoke about how uh, topography and lettering was a big part in his, in his world when they, were, when they were creating the album artwork for uh, the Horse Lips album covers. Plus when he used to work with uh, Peter Fallon, the poet, when he used to do fanzines and poetry books in Dublin back in the late 60s. And they got artwork designed by uh, an artist called Jim Fitzpatrick. And it was through uh, Jim Fitzpatrick creating the artwork for the, uh, the, uh, the fanzines that Phil Linnett seen them. And uh, Eamon Carr introduced uh, Phil Linnett to Jim Fitzpatrick. 
and that's where the artwork for all the Tindizi album covers and the logo for Tindizi came from. And then I have the pleasure tomorrow to interview Jim Fitzpatrick and Kells. Oh my! It comes what? full circle. A brilliant connection that yeah. is. And I have to tell people, I have all the Lizzie albums on vinyl up in my attic, every one of them, because yeah. I was a massive fan myself. And that's wonderful, Mark. Yes, and I went and see, like I wasn't into the music, but I went with my brothers to these concerts. Yes. So I seen the last Lizzie uh, concert up in, uh, in the RDS. I seen them in Castlebar. I was only about 12 and I was going to these rock concerts. But it was all about the, the, uh, the memorabilia and the stuff you associate with the rock albums and stuff like that. So we decided with that that we would uh, recreate some of the pieces around the town based on lettering of the bands. So we re- re- reconfigured like the Colin Kill Shrine that we do every year with 12 images of the band, uh, the logos from the bands. We have pieces created by artists uh, from uh, this girl who came over from North Wales and she's went back to the uh, the, memory, the the folklore archive that was created in 1938 where school kids wrote stories of their areas. And she's illustrated four stories of Kells and they're up around town, which is very, very good. Um, we have a girl who's created a, a duvet cover based on the last chapter of uh, Ulysses. And what happens above the duvet cover and what happens below the duvet cover is on display on the trail. Oh, so it's marvellous. It's really, really good. So if people come into Kells yeah. uh, today over the festival or during the summer, how do they get onto the trail? Where do they start from? There's, there's maps and there's brochures and the, there's 35 locations around the town with this year's pieces. But we also put out 15 uh, pieces from over the years back out in the streets, ones that people loved, like the one we placed outside the town hall, which is the concrete letters. We placed the wax seal back up in the town hall. We placed rainbows on the sides of buildings. We get to use Kells as our canvas every year. Yes. And it just reconnects Kells with the... We want to do is just to re-establish Kells as the home of lettering as an art form. We have 1,400 years of this as our heritage. It's in our blood. Uh, no place else in Ireland can have this unique selling point. I don't think there's anybody else to compete with us. And then yesterday we had delivery of our two first printing presses that are totally restored. And they're now up in the Sawmill Studios in Church Lane. Tomorrow morning at 11.30, we have the restorers who've worked on them being interviewed by myself tomorrow morning, and it's called A Conversation with the Restorers. Amazing guys in their 70s who've re-brought bought these machines back to life, ready to print for the next 100 years. We've had somebody with us already saying they've had a, a look at them, a preview or whatever, and they said to us, you've got to see these. They're beautiful, they're beautiful. Like these pieces, like they're from, there's one of them date, dating from 1832, and there's another one there, 1860. But the original press is the print of the original Mead Chronicle. And we've, when we look back in our history, there was five newspapers being produced in Kells at the time, at the end of the 1800s. And now, in this day and age, we have Smurford out the road producing the Financial Times in Kells. So you have the oldest of the oldest, and you have the newest of the newest. You have so the links. we have the links, and we have the connections, and uh, it's only going to go on from strength to strength. Mark, you're a legend. Ten years, congratulations Thank to you. you. Check out the type trail when you visit Kells. It's well worth following it, and taking in that's everything on it continued success to you and again Mark you're one of the coolest guys I've ever met in my time congratulations thanks very much thank you indeed Welcome back to the Hedford Arms in Kells. Late lunch coming live. The Hinterland Festival in full flight here as we speak. And the temperatures are ramping up, I can tell you. Let me uh, remind you of this. On Channel 4 TV, right at this moment in time, my next guest is presenting the final of Series 80 of Countdown. But magically, he's actually in person, live with us on Late Lunch in Kells today. I'm delighted to say hello to Nick Cure. Good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Isn't this magical? There you are on television as we speak with the final. No, I know it was recorded, Nick, some time ago. Do you remember Elliot Meller? I do. I remember his his, uh, contestant friend as well. 
And who knows who'll come out on top and win all those prizes and be a champion. Let's wait and see. Don't tell me. <laughs> I certainly will not. We'll know in about, I don't know, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, anyway. We will. Dinos is the opposition. They're two great players, aren't they, yeah. Dinos and Elliot? And Elliot set a new record for Countdown in points. Extraordinary. Mm. Yeah, extraordinary. And it, 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 it's a record that had stood for quite some time. Mm. I think, and actually... Yes. I must be very careful not to give anything away. Okay. I'm going to shut up on that, now, <laughs> on that point now. Because at my age, one becomes forgetful and, and slack. So there we are. Say no more. Anyway, I can tell you, Nick, that I record it every day. And I go home and I have my dinner in the evenings. And Good. I sit down with you yeah. and Rachel and Susie. I wouldn't miss it. I love it. It's a, it's, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, because we, we love to hear from real fans. And you've been watching it since 82. I have. It's the first show, when, the first show on uh, Channel 4. And Channel 4, of course, the first person who was on it was a guy called uh, Dennis Toohey, who is uh, an Irishman, and was uh, at school with me, funnily enough, slightly ahead of me, yeah, down at Clongos in Kildare. Dennis Toohey, yeah. But what's interesting about Countdown and Ireland is the high proportion of contestants that cross the Irish Sea and come to our studio in Media City in uh, Salford. Yeah, the Irish do have a thing for Countdown. Maybe it's just the Irishman's or woman's love of language, is it? It could be, but I'll tell you something as well about you. And I've noticed this over the years. We have a great representation. I'd say if you compare it to other nations as well, yeah. taking part in it. Yeah. But you do one thing, Nick Hewer, that I love. You always get the pronunciations of the places in Ireland where they come from, right? Good. <laughs> well done to you. Well, I do. In fact, because I was at school here, down in Kildare, my knowledge of, um, of Irish geography is far superior to my knowledge of British uh, geography. Yeah. Well, if, that's because you mentioned it there, of your time in Clongos, where right. you went. I know all about Malin Head and the McGillicuddy Reeks and law, all these things. You're our kind of guy, Nick. There I we are. Say. And I always travel on an Irish passport, the most important passport to travel on, because wherever you go, you're welcome. That's not strictly true of the British passport, you know. And I'll tell you something, in the weeks and months and years ahead, that passport may become even more valuable. Absolutely. In fact, I went to the Christmas party at the uh, Irish Embassy last year, and the ambassador was a great character, a very witty guy, delightful man. I think he's in Washington now. And he said it was the media Christmas party, so it was a lot of press and all that. And he said, gentlemen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, when you leave, kindly pick up an application form for your Irish passports because it'll save us a fortune on postage. And apparently they're flying out now. Everybody wants an Irish passport. Well, I've got mine. Good on you. Good on you. And listen, you have something else that uh, makes you distinct as well. When you think of Countdown, Richard Whiteley began it, William G. Stewart, Des Lynham, Des O'Connor, Jeff yeah. Stelling, and you since 2012. Yeah. There have been very few presenters of the show. It's true. I mean, um, uh, you know, the founder of the whole thing, twice nightly Whiteley, um, was on it for 16 years, I think. And I'm coming up to eight, I think. You're the second longest after yeah. Richard now. Yeah. Um, and um, I've got, I'm contracted for next year. And let's see what happens. If they want me, will I stay on or not? I don't know. Let's see. But it's a great show. It's a lovely show. It's, a, it's a, not a flashy show. It's not a super ego, um, you know, pizzazz type of show. People just want that teapot. Yes. You know? And it's, it's brilliant. 
And once you get the teapot, you have achieved. You're a tight little team because Rachel and Susie and yourself are the nucleus. And, of course, you have a guest uh, with Susie yeah. Dent at Dictionary Corner every day. Is, is it fun? Do you have great fun doing this? Oh, it's a, it's a very well-oiled machine. Mm. The whole thing is run by a guy called um, Edie, who was a champion years ago, Damien Edie, uh, a very particular bloke, I've got to say. Much loved by the people. He runs the thing very smoothly. Um, and we do. We do have fun. A lot of it depends on the chemistry with the Dictionary Corner guest. And we have some great people. Mm, absolutely. Great people. Um, so, yeah, it's we're proud of it, actually. Very proud of it. How far do you record or what way does it work? Do you do a week of this and do so many shows in a day? How does that Well, happen? we do about, um, don't quote me on this now, uh, 260 a year so we have uh, blocks of three days we do five shows a day that's 15 shows a block and on average we're doing about 50 52 days a year but we're we're recording in advance because that's the way it works you know we've got i mean the the, the crew is about 40 strong you see there are six cameras uh, six cameramen we've got audience coordinators we've got uh, all this, the sound people the lighting people the mixing people we've got security we've got a nurse there in the audience to look after anybody who falls over and she offers me the cough suite occasionally <laughs> so it's quite a big show and the, it, it, it's in a, a very expensive studio so you've got to do them in clumps Mm. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Uh, that's, that's, that's good to know that. And of course, in the near future, Rachel's expecting a baby. Oh, the baby! Yeah, in December, we're all very excited. Will she this. be replaced? Uh, no, at all. No, no, no. This these days, there's a little bit of maternity leave, and she'll be fine. So we'll have a baby in the studio. Maybe we have it tucked behind that board of hers. <laughs> <laughs> so squeaking behind the board. Who knows? Maybe I can have it nestled on my lap when we're doing it. <laughs> so you'll walk around at the, deli the uh, delivery time and afterwards? And I think so. You see, we, yeah. it, as it happens, we're not filming in, um, in uh, December and January. I hope I'm not giving any secrets away. Um, and the baby, I believe, is due uh, okay. in, in December. So by the time we're back, she'll have organised herself. She's a very organised young woman, I might mm. tell you. What about the spin-off, 8 out of 10 cats, does Countdown? What do you make of it? Well, it's, it's, it's very popular. Yeah. Um, I think it does the main show good because it, it sort of opens it up at a peak time, the sort of concept of it. Um, no, I think, I think it's fun to watch, for sure. Quite racy. Um, and uh, I think it's good for the main show, yeah. Would you like to present it? Well, I'm not a comedian. Mm. They did want me to be involved at one stage, and I thought to myself, you know, I anchor the afternoon show, and I think it would be odd to put me in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very happy not to, really, but I think it's being recommissioned and it's doing well. You'd have to get the hair dyed like Jimmy Carr as well, Nick. You're no. not suggesting he's got <laughs> dyed hair. Has he? Well, if he hasn't, he is something that no other human has on this planet. Do you know something? I've never thought I should look very closely at Will this. Will you? Yeah. Do that for Does me. Does he wear eyeshadow? He just might. I think because he's always got those slightly dark eyes. He's a good bloke, actually. He's very funny. Very bright guy, he is, you know. He is. And, and I mean, he's smart. As you say, he makes it. And it's a different concept, really, to yeah. the main show in the afternoon. All but right. So I'll have to dye my hair and wear, wear eyeshadow. Okay, I'll do you it. <laughs>
<laughs> you heard it first from Mr. Nick Hewer on late lunch this afternoon. Tell me this, The Apprentice and you, of course, another show you were synonymous about. Uh-huh. How did that come about for you, Nick? Was that your friendship with Alan going Yeah, back? absolutely. Because I worked, he'd been a client of mine for years and years, since 83, and then I sold my company in 97. He said, well, you can stick on with me if you want. I said, yeah, okay. So I'll do that. And I had another client. Um, that said, well, you know, you can, you, why, why don't you take me on as well? Which was actually um, His Highness the Aga Khan, based in, uh, in Paris, with great horse racing uh, interest in this country, of course, studs and what have you. Um, so there I was, an Anglo-Irish Catholic boy with a, an imam, uh, a Muslim on one hand and a, a Jewish gentleman on the other, which is really rather a rich combination we were only short of a buddhist we would have had a full house really <laughs> so we marched on then for until i was 16 2004 i retired um alan sugar threw a party for me i disappeared off to a shed that we've got in france and i was back in london the following month in march and he rang me up and summoned me to a meeting where he told me that um i wouldn't know anything about the apprentice because unlike him i didn't have a house in uh, in um in florida but the, the bbc had won the rights to this show called the apprentice which he watched in florida and loved and uh, he wanted to do it because he could then talk to young people and teach them about business because notwithstanding whatever you say about reality tv shows the apprentice does teach people about business each mm. task each week is a is a is a an element of business, be it presentation or negotiation or whatever it is, advertising, all the other things. And he wanted to do it, and he did it. He got it, he got the gig, and um, are the BBC delighted that they they got oh him? Oh my! Because he's the only one. Mm. It's his show. He, he is brilliant, and may I say, you were too. And you spent what up to series ten before you decided enough was enough in twenty fourteen. Yeah. But tell me this, Nick, before you we get into that. Go on. Are some of them really as stupid as they come across? Well, I'm not saying that they are necessarily Britain's brightest business hopefuls uh, at all, because they're not. And the truth of the matter is this, and this is what people sort of don't immediately get. If they were brilliant, if they were truly brilliant, we wouldn't understand what was going on. Simple people like us, okay? And nobody would watch the show. And it would be on BBC 17 at 3 in the morning. And the producer would be taken, gently led by the elbow to a brick wall where he would be shot. (laughs) Because it's all about numbers, okay? So what you've got to do is to make it entertaining. And how do you do that? You make it entertaining, perhaps by getting people who are egomaniacs, who desperately want to do it, and they're not stupid. They're put under terrible pressure, really time pressure, it's terrible. But we can all meet in the morning and say, did you watch it last night? What about that, Harry? What about that, Mary? Can you believe it? And everybody thinks they can do better. And that is the key to the success of it. Everybody thinks they could do better. And I'll tell you something, very few people could do better. I couldn't have done it. Mm. I'd have run home to mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, don't run home to your mother for a moment. I want to take a short break and late lunch. Well, he talks about entertainment, and entertaining isn't this man just wonderful. I'm in my element here today, I have to say. Nick, you're our special guest on late lunch from the hinterland in Kells.
Nick Kira is with us on Late Lunch, and I'm, si- I'm sitting here thinking, has Elliot or Dinos won today? And I can't wait to get home. Yes, Nick, but, we, but we're not saying. We're not saying. We're <laughs> going to say that again. You have to watch it. If you're not watching it, I mean, I hope you're listening to us. You'll have to watch this evening to see who's won Series 80 of Countdown. Um, just come back to The Apprentice, Nick, for a second. Um, and we were talking there off, Mike, about, you know, the success that those who've won it have enjoyed. When you were involved with Alan and you were advising him with Karen Brady and, you know, when it came to the pointing of the finger yeah. when they were down to the last two, did he rely totally on both of your advice or was he his own man sometimes in the end? His own man, always. Now, what used to happen was that on the boardroom day, we'd all go and unload all of our notes on him because, of course, he hadn't seen an inch of film. He's back in the office earning another million, okay? So he's seen nothing. So he says, tell me what happened. And we then tell him what happens, and he listens and absorbs all this. And this is a couple of hours long. Every minute of every day, who said what to whom, was it true, what was the reaction, all that sort of carry on. And we will say to him at the end, oh, by the way, Alan, um, the blonde, uh, he or her, is a bit stupid, actually, and I think if you could get rid of them, you'd be doing yourself a favour. And he'll go, really? And then the producers will say, and the blonde girl or boy is actually not performing terribly well in front of the camera. We think you you ought to try and get rid of them. He said, the blonde will go when the blonde deserves to go. So nobody tells him anything. And we will go into the boardroom, and he goes through the rigmarole, the winners get sent off for their little treat and the losers go off to have their miserable cup of coffee and a squabble and then they come back and some are sent away and there are three left and on he goes and he cross-examines them and his genius he would have made a great uh, cross-examining criminal barrister is to make them equally culpable so that we as viewers and Karen and I or Margaret and I don't know who he's going to fire we think we could fire any of them and one of them's the blonde. I knew I was right. And then he gets to work on these three. And then, interestingly, I know when he's going to bring out the finger because he starts to shake ever so gently. You won't spot this, but I can sense it. A little bit of shaking, a little bit of panting. And out comes the finger. And it's not the blonde. You know, it's extraordinary. And he normally gets it right. But his ability to have that jeopardy so that nobody knows. And he won't tell us. We can say, for goodness sake, get rid of the redhead or whatever. And he'll say, Rooney, he will not tell us it's down to him. And I think he's a genius. Ah, it is compelling viewing and another one of my favourites on TV, I have to say. Now, look at your links with Ireland unknown. You were educated here. You know the country well. You have the passport. So inevitably, I have to say to you, what's going on in the UK at the moment? You've been a Labour supporter without being a member all of your life up until recently, but no more. No, I couldn't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Two reasons. Uh, Rachel Riley, whom I work with on Countdown, was getting a terrible lot of beating up um, uh, with this sort of anti-Semitic trolling on, on, on Twitter because she had pitched in about what she perceived to be anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. And I then supported her and said it was actually our duty as non-Jews to stand up and support part of our community, which happens to be the Jewish community. Um, And then I began to look into it more closely. And actually, I'm appalled at what's going on. I'm not just appalled at what is clearly 
uh, an anti-Semitic vein within the Labour Party. And indeed, Williamson, the MP, has now just had his wrist mildly slapped and readmitted in. Just yesterday, I think it was. Mm. Um, but I'm also reading Tom Bauer's book called Dangerous Hero, which is a sort of a uh, biography, quite unauthorised, I should add, uh, on Jeremy Corbyn. And frankly, and I know that Tom Bauer is in the business of, uh, as an investigative journalist, of actually never writing hagiographies. He's in the business of really dishing the dirt on people. And he's gone to town on Corbyn. He's never sued, and therefore I believe that his research is always accurate, and therefore it's believable if somewhat unpleasant. The thing is, I do not want to see Jeremy Corbyn and McDonnell in 10 Downing Street, because I think we would be staggered at what would hit us as a country. And what about on the other side, Boris well, or...? Well, Boris or Hunt. I mean, see, Boris, I mean, the, the, the story goes, of course, that we had such a majority of members supporting him that he peeled off a section of them and told them to go and vote for... Uh, Hunt. Vote for Hunt in order to disable mm. Gove, which apparently is fair game. Sounds pretty sneaky to me. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Anyway, he's got, he thought, which was the, the Patsy Hunt. And then he has a row down in uh, Brunswick Square in uh, trendy uh, Camberwell with his 31-year-old girlfriend, the latest girlfriend. Um, and suddenly, cracks are beginning to appear, added to which, of course, he's ducking the, um, the interviews. So Hunt is making hay with that. No-show Bojo. Bojo no-show and all the rest of it, making him look... Meanwhile, the, the, the interviews that uh, Johnson's giving are inarticulate, scrappy, and all the rest of it. But can Hunt defeat Corbyn? I don't know. I think we're in a shocking state. I'm just looking at a man and a nation that's between a rock and a hard place. Absolutely. I'm homeless. I don't know where to go. Um, I can't vote for either of that lot. Um, so my natural home, presumably, is the Lib Dems. But you would argue well, that's a wasted vote. Um, it's, a, it's a mess. Mm -hmm. I think that Johnson is just... 
so egotistical, such a show-off, along with his father and his sister. The other two brothers seem to be quite sensible. But, I mean, he he say anything. He just, he just can't get enough of it. More turmoil, that's all I'm hearing you say to me here. Are you going to crash out? Do you think Britain will crash out of Europe? I, I think they will. Because I think they're all saying, oh, no, it's easy, we can deal with this. We'll be out by October the 31st and all the rest of it. Oh, really? And I think I'll stroll round to Paddy Power and put a bet on. <laughs> well, while you're talking about bets, I have to say, Theresa Allen works here. You met Theresa. She's the, the maitre d'. She runs this place, yeah. the food and everything. Theresa, you know, is a great horsey woman. And you know the derby is in the Curra this weekend, the big oh, race. Right? Yes? Well, when you're talking about uh, bets and bookies, Theresa told me to yeah. get your money on Mad Moon. You're to back Mad Moon. That's her tip for the derby. It's not the fancied O'Brien horse. It's the challenger. Okay. So when you're going round to put the bed on Brexit, Mad Moon in the Derby, Theresa Allen's tip. It's a real good one, I promise you. Thank you. Look, it's been my pleasure to have you join us on Late Lunch today. I'm thrilled. You're part of this great festival here, and you are on stage when today is four o'clock. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. He's on today. Jerry Foley. Nick Hure. And where is it? In the Church of Ireland. That's Miss Deirdre Hurley. Tickets at the door. Church of Ireland today. Nick Hewer is there. Isn't he just fantastic? I've just enjoyed so much meeting you. I wish you continued success with Countdown. Say Thank hello you. to Susie and Rachel for me, will you? I certainly Jerry will. Kelly, Late Lunch, LMFM Radio, the biggest fan in Ireland. Never miss them. Do that for me, Nick. But thank you so much. No. Good wishes to you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Late lunch at the Hinterland Festival at the Headford Arms in Kells this Friday afternoon. Check out all the details of everything that's going on over the weekend. Hinterland.ie. I have a pair of passes to give away for Sunday. So you can go to any event in Kells on Sunday, including Minister Alan Shatter. Yes, I interviewed him on Late Lunch about his new book, Frenzy and Betrayal. He'll be here. Philip Boucher Hayes is here. And the boys from Horselips. So you can go to any of those gigs on Sundays two passes to give away here's the question finish the title of this horse lip song Jarig I'm looking for one word finish the title of the horse lip song Jarig it's one word, four letters. I think I got that right, didn't I? I wouldn't be on countdown, would I? Four. I could get a four anyway. Uh, <laughs> I'll never compete on it. Get your answers into 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Yes, you hear her laughing there in the background. It's one of our treasured regulars. It's boot club time on late lunch. No better place to have it than at the Hinterland in Kells. And Margaret Madden is with us. Margaret, great to see you again. Oh, you too, husband. How are you? <laughs> yes, I am a radio husband, in yes. case you're wondering. And in case anybody else reports that back to her indoors, <laughs> you know that this is my radio wife, Margaret Madden. <laughs> and we say the same to her good hubby as well. Look, I want to tell listeners, you are part of this festival this year. I am. It's exciting. I am interviewing tomorrow Anne Griffin and... Uh, as you know, in January, I nailed my thesis to the wall by saying I had my book of the year in January. Mm. And it is Anne Griffin's um, When All Is Said. So I'm going to be speaking to her tomorrow. I'm really excited. Fantastic. I yeah. wish you well with that. Oh, now let's you. get straight to the books. Book yes. of the Month from Margaret Madden is? Is Good Samaritans by Will Carver. Why is this book number one with you this time round? Do you know, it's out a while, but I listened to it on audiobook. I love my audiobooks at night. And... Within, I'd say, three minutes, I was like, holy God, this is it. It's a thriller. It's one of literally 
that's what the word twisty grippy is invented for. This is one of those. Now he stays up late at night, his wife is in bed and there's a few things going on. Yeah, well basically now it starts off though um, with a, a body is found and it's kind of it's a strange opening and it, it, it talks about bleach and, and how bleach is a wonderful thing but then it says um, it, it's not good for your skin because it won't make your skin sparkle like it does your toilet basin. It will burn, it will blister, you will bleed, it will hurt like hell unless you're already dead. Mm. So you know there's a murder. Yep. It turns out that there's a serial killer and um, you're, you're going through the whole book not knowing what's going on, but sidelined them. We have Seth, as you said, who's yes. in Insomniac, and he rings people up in the middle of the night for a chat. Like, he randomly picks a number and goes, hello, I'm Seth, do you fancy talking? And most people go, would you go shite and, and hang up, you know? <laughs> um, but he does get through to a cross line. Do you remember yeah. the days of the cross lines? Yes. And... Um, the woman is actually trying to ring Samaritans at the same time that he's ringing in. So she thinks she's speaking to a Samaritan. And he thinks he's just talking to somebody who yes. wanted to chat. Mm. Now, he does cop on quite quickly that she thinks that he's a Samaritan, but he plays on it and arranges to meet her. He starts stalking her online. Brings her home. Oh, yeah. Say no more. You have yeah. to get this book and read it. It does uh, develop into something quite unusual and quite different. But Very dark, very disturbing, but very addictive. So book of the month, Good Samaritans by Will Carver. Yes. Highly recommended. Go get it. You'll enjoy it. It's a non-put down. You'll read and read and read. Let's move on to your next recommendation this month with us on Late Lunch. And it's uh, in the genre historical fiction. It's called Kilbride House by Sheila Forsey. Yeah, now this is more gentle. You, you be, okay. <laughs> it's definitely not as dark and disturbing as, as Good Samaritans. However, it, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous dual time storyline um, set in 1950s Ireland and modern day times in a gorgeous, uh, it's kind of a link up to a, a beautiful country house like you would have seen on the drive in here to Kells today. These, um, the Protestant ascendancy houses, gorgeous surroundings. But there's a, a little story because the, there was two sisters, there was um, a Catholic boyfriend that there wasn't supposed to be going on, there was immigration, and now it's the grandchildren generation coming back to find out the story of this house um, on, on what had happened to Victoria and Edith. It is that, you know, Catholic-Protestant thing, yeah. the relationship that was a no-no at the time and people had to get out of here and set up new lives elsewhere. And mm -hmm. then it rolls on, as you said, to the current generation and them uh, picking up sort of the pieces of the life story. Yeah, and, you know, there's a mother and baby home storyline. It's there, um, yes. It's set in a beautiful um, Dingle Peninsula. And I have to say, that was my favourite thing about the book, the descriptions of the landscape and of the house and the horses and... It was just, you know, that part for me was absolutely well worth picking mm. up the book for. Yeah, Sheila obviously has a passion for history, you know, and yeah. loves the landscape, doesn't yes, she? That she comes does. through in, in, in the book all, all over, really. Yes, yeah, I, th I think she was a student of Maynooth, uh, yeah. went on to, to do further studies in, in either history or English. I know, but it comes through, you'd know, you'd know this woman loves her history. So Kilbride House by Sheila Forsey is a lovely read. Is yeah, that what you're it saying? is. You'll enjoy this. Yeah, if, you know, it's kind of like a, if you like the secret scripture, okay. for example, it would be 
in that bracket yeah. as well. I, I kind of the storyline would be, yeah. Okay, yeah. so a particular type of book there for a particular type of reader, uh, Kilbride House by Sheila Forsey, recommended by Margaret, Margaret Madden. Now, onto the thriller, and the one you've picked is by Claire Allen. Yeah, you know the name, right? Yes. I have recommended a good you few of her books. have, She's indeed. playing a blinder. She moved over from romantic fiction over to thrillers, and everyone has been great. This is her latest, it's Forget Me Not. Um, you can't really miss it. It's got a pair of gorgeous red shoes on the front, on the front, lovely heels. So basically it's 6 a.m. and a body is found by a dog walker, aren't they always? Um, but she's still alive, um, barely. And Elizabeth finds her and she whispers something into her ear and it's a message and it basically means that Elizabeth can pass on this message. I don't want to give too much away, but um, Rachel was Claire's friend yep. and she's involved in the message. And then you kind of find out there were three girls in school grown up together and they're all fearful now because these posies of forget-me-nots have turned up but with sinister twist. Okay. So, yeah. Even I don't want to give too much no, away. No, 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 no. And, and you say to me, no spoilers on this one and I, I'll, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that, certainly. Forget-me-not by Claire Allen. The, the one thing about it is, though, it's intriguing. This person, uh, Claire, dies within minutes of mm. passing on the message to Elizabeth and yes. that really sets the tone for the story unfolding through the book then. it does and you find out is there a link why was that yeah. message what was she trying to tell her um, they know that she that the, the girl Claire had been seeing a guy she met online but never gave his name so the police are trying to figure out who this was is he linked to it or is it random attack so yeah it's, it's a book full of paranoia loved it did you yeah yeah Forget Me Not, don't forget the name of the book, Forget Me Not by Claire <laughs> Allen. And I know you do really like Claire and uh, admire her writing. I and do. here she is turning up again yeah. once more this month in uh, Late, Late Lunch Book Club. So finally today, uh, a classic. And by word, you have gone way, way back oh, with yeah. this one. 1933. Asher, why not? You know. John Steinbeck. What a <laughs> yes. great writer, Steinbeck. He is. But this is one that's very rarely talked about. You know, there, the, the, we always talk about the Grapes of Wrath, um, um, you know, the, the usuals. But this is a tiny little novella. And it, it, I think it was written for children. It was quite dark. For, I, I do remember reading it as a child and being, oh, God. Um, it is quite dark. But I, I thought I'd re look at it again. And I remember, even as a child, loving his descriptive passages again, feeling the pain of it. It's basically about a 10-year-old up in the prairies um, who's gifted a pony. Uh, it's four short stories kind of interlinked. He does lose the pony. You, he does in the first story. You know that. But then he moves on and it's, it's kind of coming of age it's talking about the Indians and over the mountains it's obviously of a different time mm. so there will be racist remarks in it but it's a stunning little book really really is so you did you read it? no no. but I, I had Steinbeck for my leaving cert yeah. I did one of his books and it wasn't The Grapes of Wrath it was another one by Steinbeck I can't think of the name of it to be honest with you but uh, when you recommend this now I will pick it up and I want to say to you I do go with your recommendations oh, good, because good. on holidays recently I read The Beekeeper of Aleppo yes loved it 
in two sittings. I read it on holidays. And Eleanor Oliphant yes. is absolutely marvellous. She is fine. Oh, you <laughs> yeah. picked it last year, wasn't it? And yeah. it's been up in the bestsellers ever since. And I can understand why. And The Big Cooper of Aleppo, oh. I had to recommend to you. I thought that was stunning. Both brilliant. And I just want to mention yeah. that. The great holiday reading. And I really enjoyed them. And when I got into them, I just couldn't leave them down, to be honest with you. You see, our Margaret knows. That's the thing about it. That's why she's with us every month and <laughs> recommends these books. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for tomorrow? Yeah, I am. I mean, I can't wait to meet her. We've never met, so it's going to be exciting. That book was amazing. I want to talk about Morris Hannigan. You know, I'm really looking forward to it. Mm. Be nice to me now, everybody, oh, if you're coming. great. A no better woman. <laughs> That's one not to be missed at the uh, Hinterland Festival here in Kells. Now, we have a book pack to give away. You like this. As mm. usual, when Margaret's with us, we have a collection of books to give away. We have Self-Acceptance by Harry Barry. Brilliant. Harry's latest work. Bride Squad Runaway. Stephen Breen's book on Fat Freddy. I believe it's something else to read. Roisin Meany, The Birthday Party. And Alan Shatter, who's here at the Hinterland. His book, Frenzy and Betrayal. I've read it myself. It's wonderful. Would you like to win all those five books? Here's the question today. On what river does Kell sit? Which river flows through Kells or by Kells? Or it's synonymous with a river. What's the name of the river that Kells sits on? Uh, answers, please. 086-1800-658 with your name and details. And we'll pick a winner for that book, uh, club book pack before the end of the show. A little shorter this time round. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Enjoy tomorrow. Yes, thank you. And see, you see you soon. Month. The month of July is not far away, but for the moment, Margaret Madden. Thanks a million. Heading to a break on late lunch. Back, and I have a man who's just dropped in to have a quick chat with me. He's here, and we're going to talk to him next. Anthony Halton is here. Back in a moment. Yes, uh, SheridanInsurance.com, a pair of tickets to Sunday at the Hinterland Festival. Lots of people mess- messaging us. Uh, the title of the famous Horse Lips track, Jarig Doom. Jarig Doom we were looking for there. And we'll give the tickets this afternoon. I'm just looking at it. It's after, it's after hopping along like mad there. Louise, can you go back down there a little bit for me? On the, we'll get your name for that in a minute, so we will, because we have the, uh, the answer coming in for the book club as well. Yes, I'll tell you who it's going to. Patrick Maguire from uh, Heronstown. Patrick Maguire, you have uh, two passes to Sunday at the Hinterland. Well done to you. Now, this is some story because we arrived here today for the show, and this man came up to me and said, How are you, Jerry? And I was looking at him for a minute or two and saying who is this fellow and then he introduced himself and he told me why he was here and I understood why he was here Anthony Holton welcome to Late Lunch thanks Jerry, and nice to see you again it's great to see you too but this is some story you live in Cork yeah I'm a, I'm a made man exiled in Cork in Cork and you've come up have you, are you up for the hinterland or why are you in I Gels? come up for the hinterland uh, because um, I have a few other books and I'm self-published and I'm trying to market them. Good man yourself. It's a, it's a foot-slogging job to oh, sell the books. It is, but no better place than the festival going yeah. on here this week. Now, I want to remind listeners, you joined me on Late Lunch. How long ago is it? Oh, I was on when we launched the Bind book, 2017, Okay, on so, the paperback edition. Yeah, about two years ago, yeah. and we had a lovely conversation, yeah. because you know my affinity with the Bind from I the fishing indeed. point of view, yeah. and you produced this beautiful paperback book, and it's about the Boyne from source to sea. Yeah, from the real source to the sea. Remind us again where the real source of the Boyne well, is. Well, there's a, a lot of myth about Trinity Well being the source, but uh, in fact... Uh, Carberry Bog is the source. That is where the Boyne actually rises. Yes. And you wrote this wonderful book. Now, here's, here's the twist in this, and I never knew this. He came over to me and he presented me with a copy of this beautiful book in hardback called The River Boyne. And this came from our chat. I, I, I didn't recall this till you reminded me. Remind our listeners what happened. 
Well, you were so enthused on the day about the book and because of your enthusiasm for the river itself, you said this book deserves you know, a good marker and it deserves to be brought out there and you urged me to bring the book out there. And we discussed back and forward and when the uh, soft or the paperback edition was coming to its end, I was dithering whether I'd actually uh, print again in, in softback or hardback. And then I figured, uh, well, and a lot of my friends advised, the book deserves a hardback. Yeah. And then I remember Jerry and pushing to uh, get the book out to a bigger market. Yes, and I well, said you, that you to you on the day. Your was, this book deserves a, a bigger market. So that inspired you to go now and produce this book Absolutely. in hardback. And what a masterpiece you have come up with, because you've enhanced the original paperback, let me say, as well. How many of these have you run off, Tony? We, re- we printed 500 at a hardback uh, so far. I honestly think you won't have enough. This book is going to be snapped up. Uh, yeah, it is, but uh, be, not been mainline published. Uh, my first book, Stroke of Luck, years ago, was mainline published. Yes. Uh, after that, I made a, a, a deliberate decision to self-publish. Okay, there, there, there's a certain uh, look of disdain about uh, self-published books, but uh, when you're doing historical works, it's much you get much better accuracy by looking after your own editing, shall we say. Yes. It's very hard to get, and I, I, I pride myself in historical accuracy mm. uh, because uh, I'm not into myths too much, although the myth is an essential part of our history. You must separate the the truth from the myth <laughs> to write history, and that's my belief. I wish to do that in politics today. Yeah, well, we won't go there, please. We won't go there I'm sure. very strong on people. But look, to be quite honest, the, the chat we had, along with lots of origin by other friends, is really induced me to produce this. Okay, so you've put your neck on the line with this book. I want to mention, James Doherty is here with you, your good friend, and you say he's soldiered with you on the, the writing of this book. Absolutely. He said to me, can I, can I tell you what he said to me? And I'll, I'll tell you this. He said that Tony is the only man he knows that got a wet arse on many occasions writing a book. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct, because the, the inducement to do this book started with Mead River Rescue, a guy called Martin Curran, a terror service station there. He was looking at one of my earlier books, and he, he said, we're always on the river then, we're always arguing back and forth about what wall that is, or what castle that is. Would you come on the boat for a spin? So I got me creaking bones into the boat with the help of the River Rescue guys, and we did every... St- bit of the river from the Yellow River, the Sheep Bridge up on the Yellow River, down to, Be- to uh, Baltray in County Loud. And it was one hell of an experience. With the ri- couldn't have been, we couldn't have produced this book without the river rescue yeah. because we really had to go on the river and we explored it. And then we went back on foot. To, like if we found a little stream, we didn't know which way the stream was flowing. We were dropping lollipop sticks. Pascal, Mary and I were dropping lollipop sticks into the river to make sure the flow was right. You couldn't do it by drone. No. And, and, and look, or aerial photography. Rudimentary, but by God has it produced a, a wonderful book. So, so, go on. Sorry, could I go back to James yeah. Dowry? Yeah, I yeah, have to yeah. mention this. He's here, he's over there. I see James, him. he's over there leering at me from the corner. But I was trying to, I heard a story about a little, by, a little iron cross uh, on an island in the middle of the Bain of Cruise Town. But with my bockety leg from the stroke, I couldn't get out there. 
So James carried a ladder down the field, through the woods for nearly a mile, got me across the old canal, and onto the island the photographed the cross. Now, that takes dedication. That is commitment, and that is dedication, and we say well done to James Doherty yeah. for doing that. Lovely little story, that. Come back to the book. Like, the book is here now. You have 500 copies. And I, I say to listeners again, this is a brilliant, brilliant book. If you live along the River Boyne, if you're interested in its history or the history of the Northeast, this one is for you. How are you going to get this book out? Where can people buy this book? Well, at the moment, it's for sale in Tara Service Station, it's uh, Joe Tierney's in Navan and uh, Haystown Shop uh, in Haystown. And it, the, I have my email number there. People can contact me by that. I, well, generally speaking, it's not gone into the main shops. Okay. Oh, sorry, Antonio's in Trim, who was actually instrumental in getting me engaged with the, with the Hinterland Festival. Okay. And I thank her very much uh, for that. So Antonio's in Trim, it's available there available as well. Available there, yes. And Tony's email is ajholton, H-O-L-T-E-N, at gmail.com. That's ajholton at gmail.com. You can get in touch with him. Yes. And he has copies of the book there as well. And may I mention that we're working on doing a, a launch of this edition uh, we're not sure where it'll be, but it'll be somewhere along the line in the next month or two, so we'll advertise that in Watch advance. Watch this space, and we'll let listeners know about it as well. Thank you so much. Tony, thank you for uh, joining us today in the show. By chance, we came across each other, but lovely to meet you again, and congratulations on the hardback version. Thanks, Jerry, and I really, at such short note, I really appreciate you giving me the chance to wear oh, the book. Oh, sure. Thank How you very could much. I not do it? And you coming up from Cork to be here as well. Tony, thanks a minute. Thanks Wish very much. well with the book. Just want to say to, hello to Jackie from the Vintage Emporium, Newmarket Street, Kells. She's been in with us and she says, if you're in Kells the weekend, will you give them a shout there? She'd love to see you and she'll look after you. She promises me that she'll look after you. We're heading towards news and sport on this very special day on Late Lunch, coming live from the hinterland, Kells and the Headford Arms in Meath. And no better man to go there with than another classic crooner. It's Mr Tom Jones. You ought to be loved by anyone It's not unusual You ought to have fun with anyone But when I see you hanging about with anyone It's not unusual To see me cry I wanna die Yes, it's Friday and at this time every week we have a chat with Leon Blanche, Communications Manager with Boyle Sports, looking ahead to the big fixtures of the weekend. And Leon, we start tonight with the League of Ireland. It's back, the Electricity League, after a couple of weeks of a break. Yeah, it is. Look, Jerry, and we've got a top-of-the-table clash, of course, featuring Shamrock Rovers at home, taking on Dundalk. I think, look, we've said it on this show plenty of times before, but Vinnie Perth has really done a remarkable job. They've won 11 out of their last 12 league games and, and drew the other games. So unbeaten in 12. They're top of the table with 49 points and they travel to second place Shamrock Rovers who in the last two games have only got one point from a possible six. They lost 2-1 against Bohemians and they drew two all against Derry when they were leading 2-0. So Rovers, they've made a couple of signings in the break and I think they'll be hoping they can win tonight to narrow that gap to two points to Dundalk but it's very evenly matched in terms of the betting. 17-10 to 10, Shamrock Rovers, 7-4 to 4, Dundalk, 
and the draw is 21 to 10. And it's one really for the league that Rovers probably need to win. And I'm not saying that disrespectfully to Dundalk, but if they win tonight, the league is probably over. Yeah, probably you would say that because obviously they'll go 52 points. They'll be eight points clear of Rovers. And you'd imagine with that type of lead, you couldn't see Dundalk throwing it away. As I said, they've made a couple of signings too. Some old players have come back. And I think Dundalk are very, very strong indeed. They've got a really solid squad. So of Rovers. They are the best two teams in the league. And I think for probably the neutral, we'll be hoping Shamrock Rovers can win. But I certainly won't. I'll be hoping Dundalk can get all three points against Rovers. Similarly, we'll be hoping locally that Drogheda United, who've made a big announcement today of a coming together of all the football family in Drogheda, the Drogheda District Children's League and Drogheda Boys, now part of the Drogheda United setup. And tonight they're uh, celebrating that and they'll be hoping to crown it with a win over Bray. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Jerry, I suppose it was a little bit disappointing losing that game 2-1 away against Shells before the break. Uh, Drogheda had been on a really, really good run, but they've still got 32 points. They're in third place in the league. And in a very, very solid position to mount a challenge to try and get back up to the Premier League. Bray are on 28 points. They had a win against Longford last time out, 3-2. But I think Drogheda will be hoping for a home victory tonight. There are shade of odds on at 20-21. to Bray are 13-5. to And the draw is 12-5. to But as I said, I fully expect Drogheda to bounce back to winning ways and get another victory on the board and really push for Premier League football next year. I think it would be fantastic after that news today. It's great that all of the Drogheda teams have come together under one banner and that can only be good for the future. Now let's switch to Harling and it's a huge weekend. Two massive provincial finals. Let's start down south in Munster and it's uh, Limerick against Tipperary. Yeah, look, of course, reigning champions Limerick up against the current favourites Tipperary to lift the Lean McCarthy Cup. This is a repeat of the match a couple of weeks ago when Tipperary, Tipperary excuse me, ran out quite easy winners. But Tipperary, surprisingly... They're the underdogs at 6-5. to five. Limerick are 10-11. to 11, And the draw here is 8-1. to one. This is a massive game, Jerry, because whoever wins this game goes straight through to the semi-finals of the All-Ireland. And if you lose, you're going to have to play another game before you even get to the semi-finals. So it's a very hard one to call. But I can only go on what I saw a couple of weeks ago. And I thought Tipperary were very, very worthy winners indeed. And I think at odds again, 6-5, to five, I think Tipperary could and should go on to the semi-final. Davy Fitzgerald taking on the wily Brian Cody. It's Wexford against Kilkenny and Leinster. A big one again there, Leon. It is. It's a huge game. And Wexford have been very, very solid under Davy Fitz this year. They've had some memorable victories and some seriously good performances. But they are the underdog going into um, face Kilkenny. They're 11-5. to five. Kilkenny are the overwhelming favourites at 9-4 to four on. And the draw here is 10-1. to one. I think the bigger pitch at Crow Park will definitely suit Kilkenny. Um, but however, Wexford have been really good this year. And I think if David Fitzgerald is going to win a Leinster title, this is the chance. And if you like the handicap betting, Wexford have been given a three-point head start at 10-11. to 11. I don't think there's going to be much between these two sides. I certainly didn't think Wexford would be as big as 11-5, to 5, but they are. There might be a bit of value there, but if you want to play safe, I think Wexford plus three at 10-11 to 11 could be the way to go in the Leinster hurling final. Leon, thank you so much as usual for the look ahead to those big fixtures over the weekend and we'll talk to you again on Late Lunch on Friday next. Have a great weekend, Jerry. 
Yes, we're in the final furlong of late lunch, coming live from the hinterland in Kells and the beautiful Headford Arms this afternoon. Let me just remind you that Patrick Maguire has won the passes for Sunday. And if you're coming Sunday, Anthony Holton was with us earlier on, the book on the Boyne. He's giving a talk between half five and half six on Sunday. Karina uh, Reid, congratulations to you. You've won the 100 euro one for all voucher from Kells Credit Union. Congratulations to you. Enjoy. And Kitty Sherry from Knockbridge. Yes, Kells is on the River Blackwater. Wins our book club book pack this month. And I believe she's in the hotel here somewhere. Anyway, we'll find her in a minute and congratulate her on that. Guess who's dropped in to late lunch? Oh, don't we just love them? <laughs> Do you hear them? Can, yeah. can you guess who it is from the laugh? Would that you have an be. idea? It's very serious. John Waters, I'd say, is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Some mu- serious debate. Uh, muddy, yeah. muddy waters, I have to say, more like. He's the farthest thing from John Waters. Mr. Fred Cook, how are you? Guys, oh, guys, I'm delighted to be back. And, you know, since I, I, I got so used to talking to you guys every Friday, I was on the dancing show, and uh, I'm so consumed by it that for the last two months now, I don't know what to be doing with myself now. <laughs> I'm still in denial. Like I was, I was, yeah, I was in the book market earlier on, and, and I went, to, I went to pay for a coffee, and they were like, "Would you like to tap?" And I was like, "Well, the show finished two months ago. What are you talking about? I'd love to tap, but it's all done. Do you know what I mean?" So. Anyway, from dancing to DIY, you've teamed up with Mr. Dermot Bannon. I have, yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, and then I asked him, would you, like, I guess because he, do, he does people's houses up and stuff like that. So the best I can offer him, if he wants to see my tent at the electric picnic, can we work from there? Because that's, like, that's, that's the only way I can go at the moment. So he, He'll not be on homes under the hammer, no, that's for not sure. No, not at all. Hey, did you hear, Fred? I've just heard Michael Carlin on our news there reveal that in France, just a few moments ago, the temperatures have hit. Listen to this. 45.1 degrees. Wow, that's insane, isn't would it? Would you cope, like, would you cope, yeah, Fred? I would, I would, yeah, how, definitely, how yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd put myself into a bowl of San Miguel and I'd be grand <laughs> <laughs> for three days straight. <laughs> no problem to me, you give me, do you know what, because no matter how hot it is in the world, no matter where you are in the world, is there, there's a smoking section with shelter with three Irish lads smoking going, unbelievable lads, where would you get it? Are you from Drogheda? No way, lads. Heat doesn't affect us and there's just Skill complex with the heat as well, isn't there? Like, get out and enjoy it. Get out and enjoy it. You know, you could be you could be scalded by the sun. Just get out there and enjoy it. So it's great, and the town is looking. Even if it was, you know, the Kells is beautiful as it is, and uh, it's always. Uh, you know, as Miss Kieran Olivia Kieran said earlier on, you know, it's always the sun always is scorching for this festival. Mm. So, but even if it wasn't, it's a beautiful Gothic town anyway, you know, in, it, in, in its naturalness. So, but it's just as a as a walk around here and I see so much going on. I'm so I'm so proud. You know what I mean? Like like people uh, are there's a, there's a waitingness to try and get this festival. And I will I will be honest that the politics of it is that uh, the only reason why I got to this festival is that I told my parents that you need to move to Kells very early on for me to get this. You know, because I grew up here. So I'm, I'm very lucky and privileged to be gigging here tonight in my hometown. Now, you know we're sitting here, and you are on. I want to remind people, tonight, Fred is in the Headford Arms. Doors open for 8 o'clock. You want to be here between 8 and a half. He's on stage at 9. Get the best seat in the house, and you are going to have some bellyache, I promise you, this <laughs> evening. Now, here, where we sit here today in the beautiful Headford, we were just talking about this. This place is the fulcrum of this town. You remember coming here, World Cup? What I World do, Cup Italia 90. 
uh, my earliest memories are in this actual reception right here. And the, the thing I love about the beauty of this hotel is, you know, like people always say, when you walk into a hotel, they'll quietly say, God, they need, they need to do something with this hotel. They need to do something. But there was never a feeling here. I mean, like, the beauty of this hotel hasn't changed. You know what I mean? And it's architecture. That's not out of laziness. It's, it's actually, it's a, it's a tribute to the staff that they've kept the beauty of what it is, which is the Headford Arms Hotel. So now, now coming back to gig here in front, in front of your home people is it's another thing altogether. So are they tougher? Yeah. Are they a tougher audience? They're not. No. It's all in my head. In fact, they're they're, they're incredibly supportive, and uh, and you get to be a bit site specific as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, and uh, it's great. But I just you know I love LMFM as well. Do you know what I mean? This is like kind of I've often said it. And uh, now I'll be honest with you. Sometimes you're a bit lazy with your calendar. I was there driving through last June, and me hot Michael Farley was like, okay, I hope you're all enjoying the June back holiday weekend here's fairy tale in new york see you after the break you know what i mean lads <laughs> you don't care for calendar and then i'm telling you that's what she's replaying and then honest to god he'd be like the hottest this is the hottest weekend we have and i was listening to it there a few week, week few days ago and he was like all i could hear was shaking stevens merry christmas the lad oh, has no care friend, whatsoever you're, you're hallucinating yeah. i'm if, not if Eamon doyle is listening to this <laughs> you're after getting two people sacked yeah, at least yeah, i can yeah, promise yeah. you hey look while you're talking about lmfm i've made a very special presentation to you today do you know how rare and how valuable these things are i believe these are like the blue peter badges they aren't are. they they're, they're impossible to get they are they yeah, are. so, uh, and I'm so chuffed to have one. I can't believe it. We've I'm ne- given mm. Fred, what do you call this? A mug for life. Is that what they'd call it? An LMFM mug for life. Well, you've been an LMFM mug for life because you've been listening to it all your life. I have, you? yeah, yeah. This is the station that told me that there was no school when it was snowing. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fondest memories uh, come from this station. They really do, like, so. I think your mind is stuck on a winter track at the minute between the songs and the no school when it's snowing. Is this what they're in yeah, for this evening yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Headford? No. No, well, you know what? There's so many. There's so many. Look, I see my uh, my doctor there, uh, Dr. McNeese, walking by, so uh, <laughs> might have to call into him later on, actually. And uh, But look, the thing is, right, it's, it's amazing. There's so many people coming to Cows now as well, like, that come into Cows. It's not just for the town. I've seen, I heard people from Dundalk. I, I heard them before I seen them, because, you know, people from Louth, and if you don't mind, me saying this because I know your station's based here, but you aren't genetically programmed to use your tongues. You're not. You're like, how are you? How are you doing? Fair play to you now. Where are you from? Dundalk. Dundalk. That's the way you talk, and you know it, Jerry, isn't it? Like this is a birds party in Trotter. No messing. Happy ball, hey, hey, happy ball, hey. That's the way you talk. We, we've just lost three quarters of the <laughs> listeners to LMFM this afternoon, thanks to Mr. Fred Cook. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I I'll take it back. Here, I'm sorry. You better have a laugh at the Mead people just to balance it up. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, do you know, we did really well. We, we put it to Dublin there a few days ago. It's great, isn't it? We did. <laughs> Well, look, I know, look, forget about the second half. Get forget the about the second half. Get the doctor yeah, quick. Call yeah, him back. Yeah, Call yeah. him back. But people are saying the Dublin team, like, they're all on drugs. That's what they're saying now, isn't it? They're too fast. They're too good. But it's not like, you know, the me team. Like, we've got nothing to stand on when it comes to that with the Sean, the Sean Boylan special stuff coming out of the kitchen. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was like... It is, was that like a, a, is that a revelation today? <laughs> is that something we never heard before? All I'm trying to say is we need to find out what Sean Boylan was cooking in the 80s and bring it back. That's what I mean. And, and I'm not talking Breaking Bad here. I'm just talking, you know, Breaking Navin or something like that. <laughs> Let's get it working. 
Anyway, tonight is special. You are here as part of the hinterland, but on a serious note, like this is a wonderful addition to the life and the people and the area. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, absolutely. Do you know, uh, Mark Smith said earlier on that uh, when he's talking about the, the wonderful print that's happening around Kells, and he said the town is a canvas for his print. But I, I can honestly say this town is a canvas for my head. Do you know what I mean? That it, I'm, it's given me so much inspiration. You know what I mean? And stories and heart. Do you know what I mean? And that's what we're we're talking about right here in the reception. Of the Headford Arms, so it's it's a real joy, uh, and I was very lucky to be from uh, Kells as well. I, I know I've mentioned this to you multiple times that uh, we were dancing with the stars. You know, a lot of the votes came from Kells, a lot of the votes came from Leinster. So my long, my longevity in dancing with the stars it wasn't because of the judges. You know, <laughs> most weekends I was in bottom of the board. So it took, you know, it took a town, it took a town for me to to get as far as I did, and that's why I really appreciate it. And that's why, and I mentioned this to you already before, but the money that I make uh, tonight is going to Meals on Wheels Kells. Terrific. Every single, yeah, every single penny, you know what I mean? By the time the sound's paid, you know what I mean? Uh, all that, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm So, you know what I mean? You're, you're a good whack of your money tonight. And, like, tickets are very healthy. Like, we're nearly sold out. So I'm very excited. All, all that's left is to enjoy it. But there's still a few tickets left. Okay, so do come so along. if you do rock along to the Headford Arms tonight, you will get in and you will be entertained by this man. What's on the horizon? Any more reality TV dancing? Uh, do you know what? Do you know what show I'd love to do? I'd love to do Getaways, a holiday show or something like that. You Would know, I'm kind of, I'd love to... But I always feel, realistically, I feel there's always one presenter on these holiday shows who gets the short straw, isn't there? Like, you'll have Vogue Williams like this. Oh, watch the show next week. I'll be in Orlando checking out all the new Star Wars rides. And then you'll have, like, Tommy Bow. Yeah, watch the show next week. I'll be in, I'll be in, I'll be in Orlando. I'll be in Seattle hanging out with the remaining members of Nirvana. And then you'll have poor Marty Morrissey. Oh, yeah, I'll be in Nobber. Can't wait. Can't wait, lads. <laughs> You know, so I know my heart and soul I'll end up getting to Nobber, like, you know, like, well, someone else is in Seattle, so we'll see what happens. You know, I might have to go, if you're looking at me now, I might have to go on Operation Transformation or something like that, so we'll see. Well, listen, forget them. We'll have you on Lose yeah. Weight and Feel Great on Late Lunch on LMFM. Anyway, great to see you. Thanks half for eight tonight, in, guys. Richard. Thanks so much. Half Lots eight of love. tonight, the Headford with Fred. Thank yeah. you so Cheers. much indeed. Anyway, we've come to the end of Late Lunch Live from the Headford Arms in Kells and the Hinterland. Hinterland.ie check it out I want to say my thank yous now a big thank you to Olivia Duff and uh, Teresa Allen and all the crew here at the Headford Arms who made us so welcome to our own Deirdre Hurley who we've been working with my Woo. former producer she's here with us today and uh, thanks indeed Deirdre for all the assistance we're putting this show together today and the support to Eddie Caffrey who set it up for us here to Ross Leahy who's back at base thanks so much Ross and to my sidekick and the irreplaceable Louise Walsh, who's sitting right here beside me all afternoon and who does this with me every single day and I couldn't do it without her. Thanks a million, Louise. To you, our listeners, to our guests this week, thanks a million. Have a lovely weekend. Come to to, uh, Kells for the Hinterland and do join us again for a brand new week of Late Lunch from Monday at half one. See you then. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, setting the standards higher for award-winning customer service you can trust. Visit your regional dealer for Renault and Dacia in the Northeast for exclusive offers with lowest can be APR finance and finance arranged within four hours. Dare to live? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.